0: uh, you know, the things that I enjoyed as part of my NFL career, which was kind of the performance and health side of the sport, you know, it was just a big challenge to, like I say, you know, glue your body back together every week. Um, And, you know, there were so many just micro challenges within the, you know, that big challenge. And I learned a lot through it all. And I'd like to be able to take what I've learned and what I continue to learn, uh, because there's so much cool new stuff coming out and and help people apply it who aren't necessarily a professional athlete, but who are grinding away at their, you know, whatever job they're doing. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. That is the story of human progress. One inch at a time.
1: I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. In today's episode, I chat with Jared Veld here, a 10-year veteran of the National Football League. I was psyched to chat with Jared about his NFL experience as a professional playing in the most brutal sport on the planet, as a guy that I would call a very health-focused biohacker. Jared and I break down what it feels like to recover from an NFL game, what modalities and biohacks Jared used the most. And he takes us through a sort of behind-the-scenes, day-by-day, week in the life of an NFL player. This episode offers some unique insights into the physical and the mental demands and truth of what it takes to sustain what may look like a dream job. If you dig today's show, please share it around. It was a real fun episode with Jared and, and a really unique episode. You know, growing up as a an NFL fan, uh, it was a really exciting time to chat with Jared and, and hear kind of my take on the NFL, right? Because Jared and I, we have a lot of the same interests as it relates to recovery and Wellness practices. And it was really exciting to chat with him about how he's actually incorporated these into the demands of, again, just such a demanding sport. Before we kick off the show, a quick shout out to today's podcast partner, Traeger Grills. No NFL experience, including this podcast, would be complete without some chatter about food and about grilling. As many of you know, I grew up in New England and having had the opportunity to be kind of in my prime during the last bunch of years of the New England Patriots dynasty, you know, cooking amazing food and being around family and watching football actually became a really meaningful part of my relationship with my family, especially my dad and my brother, And as any football fan listening knows, when you're hanging out watching football, it's, you know, the better the grill, the better the flavor, the more impressive the sear, the better. Traeger Grills have been doing pellet grills for over 30 years and do them better than anybody else. Traeger's Wi-Fi technology connects the real-time temperature of your steak, chicken, brisket, pork, ribs, fish, whatever to your phone so you can actually chuck your meat on the grill, go back in, watch the game and you're going to get updates and text messages on what's happening in the grill. It's a real match made in heaven for any aspiring grill master and any NFL preparing NFL fan preparing for the upcoming season. So, head on over to Traeger Grills, T R A E G E R, grills.com slash stacked, and check out all the latest offers on Traeger Grills. You're going to be psyched that you did, especially once the NFL season kicks off. All right. Without further ado, guys, enjoy today's episode with Jared Veld here. All right. Jared Veld here, thank you so much for joining the show, man. What's What's happening?
0: Joe, not a lot, man. Uh, starting to venture out of the house a little more as some of these, uh, you know, restrictions ease up. Uh, you know, things are looking uh, uh, like they're on the up and up in Michigan, so that's that's good. Um, it's been nice to kind of, you know, get out and about and not have to wait in line to go to the hardware yeah, store no, that kind 100%. Of thing.
1: I'm I'm excited to kind of get back to quote normal whatever that means as well and I think just about everybody listening probably is too and but yeah man I'm really excited to chat with you. I've never had a podcast with a professional football player. So you spent 10 years in the NFL and now you're you're breaking into health and wellness, and and I think that there's a lot here. I think the NFL is is probably uh, you know one of the most intense sports that that you know exists and i think that the health effects the long-term health effects and and the need for some sort of uh, optimization and dare i say biohacking is probably something that many 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 players could benefit from but i'd love to kind of dive into your journey and and kind of start with this decade that you spent uh in the nfl as a professional football player
0: yeah so i I was kind of a a late developer in high school. Um, I come from a basketball family, so playing professional football wasn't even really on my radar. Um, That being said, I I earned a a football scholarship to play at a Division II school, uh, Hillsdale College, a a small school in Michigan, Um, about 1,300 students. uh, I went there and declared uh, as a bio major, went the pre med route. I wanted to either go into science or be a doctor. and the first year there, I got a lot bigger, faster, stronger. And guys started joking around that, you know, I was as big as these NFL guys. And so uh, I, uh, you know, kind of took that idea and ran with it, um, kind of made that my goal and was drafted in the uh, the third round from Hillsdale by the Oakland Raiders and spent four years there, then spent four years in Arizona with the Cardinals. A year with the Broncos and then finished up. After a little bit of retirement last year, I thought I was done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was. I stayed in shape uh, to the point to where uh, Thanksgiving rolled around and I was like, you know what, you know, I think I can still do this thing. I got a little juice. Uh, I'm going to see if anyone needs my help. The Packers picked me up and uh, was able to finish the season out with Green Bay and wrap up my 10th year.
1: Very cool, man. And I, I just pulled up your uh, Wikipedia page. We uh, we were pretty close in birthday here. Your birthday was just a few days ago, June 14th. Yes. I'm t- mine's tomorrow. We're two years apart. I'm two years older than you, but uh, yeah, happy birthday, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, happy pre-birthday to you. So I'd love to chat about sort of the, uh, you know, a little bit of my background that you might not know is, you know, I've had a traumatic brain injury and surgeries and and all sorts of things and post concussion stuff. And, and it's been something that, you know, has kind of, navigated and pushed and pulled my my own health journey and my entire life and how I work with people and uh being that the NFL uh is is such a high intensity sport and a high risk sport what would you say is sort of the focus around this as a as a player on the inside like how much health and wellness Uh, Are people chatting about kind of in the locker room or in the in the in the, you know, um, treatment rooms or uh, what kind of is there is there a push to kind of get some information that, you know, uh, could help these players out long term or is it sort of all performance and it's up to the players to kind of do their own research?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, usually on the staff, there'll be somebody who's in charge of sports science and that person will take care of, uh, some of the recovery aspects and, you know, they're really into, into health and optimizing performance from a health perspective. But then you get around the, uh, the rest of the building, you get around coaches, uh, and the majority of the players. And there's this, you know, big, uh, uh macho man bravado that, that every, you know, that that's hard to escape. And, um, and so you know you'll have resources there and sometimes the resources there and you know when i say resources i mean like sauna or a float tank or um you know uh low lever or uh laser light therapy that kind of thing um you know, th- those resources will be there. They won't be explained at all. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of got to figure it out. I, I kind of found out that if I used them and figured out what they did, and then I could explain them better to my teammates, that was like the, the number one, uh, you know, kind of helper in, in getting exposure and information out on them. Because it's just so funny. It's, you know, in the NFL, everybody knows that it's a it's a violent sport. But I think the NFL is really worried about saying this sport could be damaging to your health in the long run. So they stay kind of quiet on why you should be doing these things for your health. They're like, we're just going to kind of, you know, put this stuff in front of you to to give you a chance to stay up on on your health during the season. Um, You know, sometimes the explanation for it wouldn't always be the best. But, you know, I was able to be around some really cool uh, modalities and and you know some teams were a little more enlightened uh, than other teams as far as taking care of the players' bodies um so you know i I can't speak to the fact that everything was you know this you know false bravado you know be a tough guy thing um yeah and and yeah that's that's kind of you know where where I see the you know. The, the locker room kind of standing on that.
1: Yeah, no. And it, and it makes total sense. Right. And I think that ultimately these teams are are businesses. And I think if if there's a concern about the long term health implications, they can at least say that they put these these things in place. Now, uh, I've worked with some professional runners and and lighter duty athletes than yourself. But I think there's also this sort of this sort of given the nature of the sport, like call it violent, there's this risk of also kind of potentially getting an athlete's heads. Right. So I I've quoted on this show before there's a, there's a Tommy John doc that does a lot of baseball guys and, he was quoted as saying, if you want to ruin an athlete's career, have him get an MRI. So in other words, when you start to tell athletes, uh, you know, that this is dangerous and your ankle's not very good. And this is, you can kind of, you can kind of create a a mess. So how much, what do you think in terms of this kind of perspective? Because I think like, it's so essential that an athlete, I would have presume in the NFL like every game just has to be ready willing and able to put everything they have on the line and and to what extent would would knowledge be potentially
0: a liability yeah, I think I think the knowledge is definitely a, a double a double edged sword there. Um, and, you know, on one side of that blade, you know, you want to know what's going on so you can treat it accordingly. That way you can go out there and and play at your best. Um, and on the other side of, of that sword, uh, you, there is um, the actual acute injury or problem and if you dive into that too much you could definitely psych yourself out but if you and you kind of develop the sense as you play um, you know what it's like playing hurt and you know what it's like playing injured Um, and you certainly learn that out I learned it out kind of the hard way Uh, you know when you play injured that's when you're really putting yourself at risk and that's that's not smart but you play hurt that's okay um, you know, everybody's pretty much playing hurt at some point in the NFL season, especially when you get to the end of the season. And you just have to figure out how to treat your body, how to treat your mind, how to proceed, you know, playing with those, you know, minor bumps and bruises, really. Right, right. So what would be an example of like, what's the difference? <laughs>
1: so in other words, like how do you yes. as an athlete say, I'm only hurt, I'm not injured. And so therefore,
0: I'm going to I'm going to hop out on the field on Sunday. Yeah. So here's an example of what not to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I broke my broken dislocated one of my fingers in uh, a game versus Seattle. Um, this is a game on Sunday. Um, And, you know, I've broken fingers in the past, but this time it was like the knuckle was broken off uh, completely off like my ring finger and it was stuck dislocated. So uh, I was able to finish that game. That's fine. That's just, you know, to me, that's, you know, somewhat playing hurt. It's a digit on your hand. Of course, those are important to you. But uh, to some extent, you can tape that up and play through it. Um, But then the next next day, I was told, you know, if if you want to be able to use this finger, you're going to have to get surgery on it. So. Went and got surgery on it on that Tuesday, which is the players day off and uh, went in with like a, a nice, uh, you know, surgical dress up <laughs> arm and hand the next two days in the facility and then had a club that got formed and fit around it, which is like a hard cast protector um, that, you know, allows me to go out there and play and practice. And so I went out there and practiced uh, that Friday. Um Thought that, you know, this is going to protect it. This is going to be great. Um, And then went out on Sunday, uh, was actually having a pretty good game. And then in the fourth quarter of that game, uh, completely tore my tricep. (laughs) And that put me out for the year. And uh, in retrospect, you know, being an offensive lineman, playing with that club that fully immobilized the wrist, put so much more torque and strain on the elbow. And, you know, it just got to the point in that game Where, you know, threw one more punch and it just gave out. Um, And so that's kind of, you know, trying to, you know, balance that. Am I playing hurt or am I playing injured? And am I putting at myself? Am I putting myself at further risk for an injury that could potentially, you know, wipe out my season, which that one did right that's that's
1: crazy and and those stories uh are are just insane, and they really prove just to what extent the body is one piece and you know I grew up playing baseball, and it was a story of a a pitcher that took a ball off the toe and said he was fine, well then he threw his elbow you know. Shredded his elbow because he wasn 't towing off properly, so there 's this like uh, when you're when you 're towing that line am I hurt am i injured it 's only a finger I've got four more, or you know whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden you don 't realize like well, this could you know lead to the compensations around that problem could lead to a season ending injury so that's a that 's got to be a tough mind to walk especially as i imagine the season goes on so in other words as as the games get more important i'd imagine that the the pressure the the you know the 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 desire the you know the intensity is just ramped up that much more
0: yeah absolutely and you know there's this whole mental component to it as well that uh You know, this is this is your team, your tribe, and you don't want to let them down and you feel like you need to be out there no matter what. And, um, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself uh, to fight through some things. And that was one of the the tougher things for me was trying to figure out, you know, what is best for me. And at the same time, you know, what's best for this group of guys who I'm going out there and, and fighting towards the same goal with. Right, makes total sense. And as you were kind of navigating both your
1: ten years in the NFL and and also you know your your months since, uh, would you say you kind of put more eggs into a a sort of movement uh, therapy or a sort of central nervous system therapy or a nutritional therapy? Where did you kind of invest your time and energy as it relates to wellness, health, uh, while you were while you were doing the what you were doing in the NFL?
0: Good question. So, uh, I really started to hammer uh, mobility and movement kind of midway through my career. Um, I think I was just fortunate to play the you know the first five years without having really any kind of you know uh, movement limitations or anything. And then as I was getting older, I noticed that you know mobility was starting to decrease, and that was probably just through you know having some uh, soft tissue injuries here and there that you know weren't fully rehabbed. Um, so I started really. Addressing my mobility work, um, I've started following along with uh, with uh, Kelly Starrett's uh, Mobility wad, which I think now is uh, man, what does he call it now? It's um, called something right else like S- Sp- oh, Ready State. Ready, yeah, it's, it's Ready State. Ready State. Yeah. Ready state now. Yeah. But he was, uh, so he actually helped, uh, he, he was down in Arizona and we met up and he showed me some things to do for my hips and, uh, it it was pretty helpful. And then, um, you know, I started following along with the content that he was putting out and, uh, it was all things that really, uh, got my joints moving well. Um, And so that was kind of the movement piece. And then, uh, besides the movement piece, kind of the uh, recovery piece that I started using, um, was this routine of, uh, hot and cold exposure, um, either with, you know, hot, cold contrast from sauna to cold tub or hot, cold contrast from the hot tub to the cold tub, um, did I say, yeah, I'm not sure what I said on the first, first one there, but I meant from the cold tub to the sauna or sauna to the cold tub.
1: Yeah. What, what um, do you, what do you find more, uh, effective for recovery? And maybe you think they're similar. I I've personally felt that dry heat to cold plunge. So, so wet, cold, but dry heat is kind of a little superior if I had to kind of pick one, but that's just my experience. What, what's your experience?
0: Yeah, it depends kind of what I'm going for. Um, you know, if I want that like huge parasympathetic like chilled out effect, I think that going from extreme hot to extreme cold is is the way to go, and like all the way in the in the ice in the ice plunge, you know, like getting mm. up to the neck. And when I'm jumping in, you know, I'm getting my head and everything wet too. Um, You know, and I do so, uh, you know, a few rounds of that, and you know, would just feel like, man, I am just in a great state of being right now. Yeah, you and, gotta uh, get that
1: thyroid in and and splash yeah. your face a few times. A lot of people don't do that, but that just ramps it up like crazy.
0: Yeah. And it's, I'd always get some, some interesting looks from, you know, other guys who'd be in the cold tub. Like, what is this guy doing right now? Like, you know, you'd have most of the guys up there with the, the little footies on their feet to keep their feet warm and they'd be up there, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, you know, waist deep, or maybe they're just putting a leg in there or something. And they just think I was crazy for doing that. Um, but you know, it, it had a great profound effect and I, I always liked when I could, you know, feel that effect firsthand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, the cold is, is crazy, right? It's like, you know, it's people's biggest fear and they don't understand but it's it's funny how mental it really is and and just a quick funny story is you know we're big into cold as i think you know and it's a big part of runga and you know my wife and i's kind of uh day-to-day practice but she's icelandic you know she's a viking she can tolerate tons of cold and it's hilarious when we go to like a russian bath or something if we're traveling and there's like a you know a 40 degree cold plunge and she'll just kind of gingerly get in and sit there for five six minutes and all the you know big guys are like looking like, is it on? Like what, what is happening down there?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's good stuff and it's, yeah, I think it does. You're right. I mean, it does. It, it like freaks people out when they think about it, but it's like, you know, just do it. And you, your body adjusts to it and you feel great after it.
1: Yeah. 100%. All right. So mobility movement, you got couch stretches with Kelly Starrett. You got the hot cold. Uh, What about nutrition? Was, was nutrition an area that you dove into a lot? Or is it mostly if you're an NFL athlete, like how many calories can I eat today? Because I need every one of them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. But uh, real quick, before we get into that, there's one, one more thing that really helped me out um, that, you know, I'll still even use uh, now, especially after, you know, t- like a tough lower body day. And that was uh, the Normatec uh, compression system. Um, yeah, I loved using the Normatec uh, for my legs. Um, they're, you know, just some big, I don't know, have you seen the Normatec before the Normatec boots that you can put on? Yeah, I've actually yeah. I've got a set of those. Yeah. So those things are awesome. And, uh, you know, initially I just started using them, um, lay down, put the boots on, let it run for a half hour and kind of worked my way up to, you know, trying to let them run for like an hour and keeping my legs kind of elevated, you know, just completely flush my legs out. And, you know, by the time I'd start to get a little tingly and the toes from, you know, being somewhat numb and, and get some of those blood flow restriction benefits as well. And that was something that I loved doing, uh, you know, something super easy that I could do at night at my house, didn't have to be in the facility to do it. And um, I think that really helped my uh, turnaround time and, and recovery.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Those things are terrific. And now they've got the arms and everything. I've only got the legs and the hips, but now they've got the arms and you could you could do a total body norm attack.
0: Oh, yeah. I had the, uh, I had the, the arms going after the uh, tricep surgery. That's, you, you talk about getting uh, no feeling in your hand really fast. Throw that arm attachment on there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super cool, man. And then before, I guess before we move on to nutrition, is there anything like in that you wouldn't do in the in during the season but you would absolutely do in the off season from either a a training standpoint or a a recovery standpoint anything you felt like uh worked better if you if you didn't have to play that week or yeah um, so i
0: i would hit a lot more sauna um when it was not in season so if it was you know off season uh workouts and it was an intense workout you know i tried to get in the sauna after to get some of those uh, recovery benefits Um, but if it was during the season you know it was just hard to find time and the energy reserve to grow to go in the sauna after you know a practice because you had to quick eat something and be in meetings so it was it was a little tougher there
1: Yeah. And and since you mentioned meetings, what is the sort of, I'm just hitting you one after another questions here. So when we talk about like NFL athletes, we see it on TV, you know, watching film and prepping for the game. What is the like day in the life of an NFL athlete? You know, how much time are you spending in meetings with the team or watching film as opposed to doing physical training? Like how many hours is this, you know, consuming of your of your week? And, And do you have any energy for anything else during the season?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's very demanding on, on your, on your time and your energy. Um, so the average week, let me like just walking through a week, um, Sunday, we'll start at Sunday. We'll start, we'll start at game day and we'll end back at game day. So you have your game on Sunday. Um, and I'd usually get to the the locker room about four hours before kickoff. Uh, it was hard, uh, to, to eat much on, on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, I try to address that during the week and the day before by really kind of, uh, you know, eating strategically to prepare myself for Sunday and not being particularly hungry, but still having the energy I needed to, you know, perform on the field. So get there four hours before the game game takes about four hours, um, you know, wrap it up, uh, after the game for, you know, an hour in the locker room, you know, getting, you know, taking all the equipment off, uh, taking a shower that kind of stuff, um, You know, when it was all said and done, it was usually about a a, a 10 hour uh, day. And then Monday Mm -hmm. we'd go in, um, go in early. If you got hurt, you'd have to go in super early, probably getting sent for an MRI. So you could be there for a couple hours. MRIs were not uncommon. I mean, I probably took about... 50 of them in my 10 year career. So, so, so it's, uh, you know, it's common practice. It's always nice. You're always like giving yourself a, a mental high five when you get out of the game without any bumps or bruises that require an MRI. So, so, uh yeah, back to Monday, um, either MRI or no MRI treatment or no treatment, you have to go in extra early for those things. Um, so if you're going in for those, uh, you know, if you're required to go in for that, you're in there probably around seven to eight o'clock, Um, if not, you're, you're rolling up around nine or 10, they try to start that day a little later. So guys can get some sleep after games. And the first thing that you would normally do would be a big team lift or run, um, try to, uh, shake the cobwebs out. Um, you know, lifts would kind of go up and down in intensity depending on where you were in the season. And then after that big, uh, you know, team, team lift, team run, there'd be a big team meeting and you'd kind of recap, uh, the previous day's game. And and go, and then break off into uh, offense defense meetings and position meetings and usually you'd be out of the facility by three three thirty p.m. on Monday not and that was you know that's like one of the shorter days uh, and then Tuesday is the uh, pretty much unanimously the players' day off around the league so off days on Tuesday but even it being an off day that's kind of the get your body right day you know go in do some of the modalities that I talked about. Um, you know, I was big into IV therapy, um, and, and, some of the benefits of that. So it was, you know, we'd joke about, you know, going to getting the oil changed on Tuesday. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so, you know, we'd, we'd get that, you know, just trying to glue yourself back together <laughs> for Wednesday's practice. And, uh, and Wednesday would kind of be the bangerang day of the week. Uh, you know, I'd wake up around five thirty, get into the facility. We'd meet all morning, install the game plan, and it would just be kind of the base run pass, um not getting into any like crazy, you know, specialty situational stuff. And, and that would typically be your full padded practice of the week. So you get put the pads back on, you know, still feeling like crap from Sunday. unless unless you were one of the guys who weren't who didn't play in the game or you're on practice squad. And, and those dudes are just licking their chops on that day because they felt great and they knew you felt terrible. And it was their chance to to try to put a whooping on you. <laughs> so that was always fun. Yeah, that was always really fun. Um <laughs> yeah. You can imagine there was some, some fighting that ensued on some of those Wednesdays. That's funny. Um, so, so you got Wednesday practice, then you watch the film, uh, and then you're usually out by four thirty, five o'clock. So that's a, that's a big day. That yeah. can be, you know, a nice 12 hour day. Uh, Thursday is pretty similar. Um, Friday is, uh, you know, go in about the same time, but then we'd be out at about one and it would be a quicker practice, uh, no pads, um, just kind of, you know, fine tuning things. They call it fast Friday. Uh, you know, you want to be on your, your P's and Q's mentally. And, um, that was kind of the, the, the theme of that day. And then Saturday, we'd go in, put the final touches on the game plan, have a walkthrough in the morning. And usually, uh, you know, we were cut free around noon to have the rest of uh, the afternoon kind of to ourselves and and spend with our families. And then we'd report back to a team hotel Saturday night to, you know, meet one more time. Because what's an NFL week without a thousand meetings? You know, you'd usually run out of stuff. You'd be like, what's the what are they going to talk about tonight? We've been in, in meetings for 30 hours this week. Like there, there's going to be no <laughs> magical secrets discussed tonight. But, you know, somehow someone would say something inspirational. And uh, then, you know, you'd watch this big pump up video at like 930 at night. And then you're like, OK, well, I got to go sleep now. So that's great. Thanks for showing me that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you go to bed and wake up and and, uh, and play the game the next day. So that's kind of what the week looked like. Yeah,
1: no, it's crazy. I don't think people realize, you know, there's obviously the physical demand of Sunday. And I think people don't realize the sort of mental and physical demands. Apart from that, and I know for me, and I, I see why now you're kind of bridging into health and wellness stuff for executives and and people that are, you know, doing, you know, health and wellness practices on top of a 50 hour work week or something, because even though you had a very physical, quote, job, there's there's just so much that you were kind of handling. And, and when I kind of bridged from athletes that ran 50 miles a week, it was amazing how the physiology of a guy that sits at a desk 50 hours a week actually looks quite similar because a stressed body is a stressed body. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild and crazy to kind of think about all this stuff during the week that a lot of people don't realize. And, um, so when you come out, I I've heard about just, you know, this sort of like Tuesday, you said, glue yourself back together. And I just How could you describe how you feel after an NFL game? Because I remember when I was a kid watching like Jerome Bettis and, you know, these guys. And I think occasionally they'd be like, you know, it's like getting hit by a truck five times or 10 times in one day or something like that. How would you describe like the next morning or Tuesday morning after a tough game on Sunday?
0: All right. Yeah. So after like a tough game. You know, you wake up and, you know, sometimes like you, you feel you feel surprisingly good that next morning. Um, you know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you wake up and something's stiff right away and it's hard to move. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I'd wake up and I'd be like pleasantly surprised to be like, man, you know what? I don't feel too bad today. And then wake up on Tuesday and I'd be like, man, I feel pretty awful today. And then you get to Wednesday and it's like, I feel completely terrible today and we have to practice <laughs> like that's, that's kind of, you know, that 72 yeah. hour onset of, of fatigue. And, uh, yeah. yeah, man. Oh man. And you know, it, it was all variable. Some weeks would be worse than others, but yeah, I mean, it would just be like, <laughs> you know, any given morning you could wake up and you'd be like, huh, man, my knee's not really moving that great today. Mm-hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what I did. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I can I can imagine that. So now exiting the NFL and I believe you you just exited last year,
0: right? Yeah. So I I was planning on being done last year. Like I officially retired and wife through like a nice retirement party at her house in October and you know I was telling everybody I'm all done. And then apparently I just wanted to make a big liar of myself and and go back and, and finish out the season after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so uh I'm not like officially saying I'm retired, retired anymore because I'm sick of uh, you know telling people false statements. So the, you know, the plan is, you know, to the most likely be done right now. Got it. Got it. But, but you're leaving the door open. Yes. Got to leave, got to leave the door open. <laughs> you never know what life has in store.
1: Yeah. And so, and so what are you up to now? And I just hopped on your Instagram and stuff and I see you're putting out some videos and I don't know if it's your house, but I presume it probably is with all your rogue equipment and you're doing some, some videos and some, some stretching and some mobility content. So what are you, what are you kind of up to now?
0: Yeah. So I've trying to to kind of bridge this gap of, uh, you know, the things that I enjoyed as part of my NFL career, which was kind of the performance and health side of the sport. You know, it was just a big challenge to, like I say, you know, glue your body back together every week and. Um, and you know there were so many just micro challenges within the you know that big challenge and i learned a lot through it all and i'd like to be able to take what i've learned and what i continue to learn uh because there's so much cool new stuff coming out and and help people apply it who aren't necessarily a professional athlete but who are grinding away at their you know whatever job they're doing um you know i, I like doing that i think it's helpful i'd like Helping guys along in the locker room um, when I was playing, so I imagine there's some people who are looking for that help in the workplace, and and that's my goal now, is is to to help with that. Um, and you know, it it kind of changes from day to day on on what that looks like, but it's uh, it's been fun, and I've really enjoyed getting into it. I I can imagine. And,
1: you know, I think there's a lot of guys, you know, even clients I've worked with that, you know, played football in college and, uh, you know, maybe even high school. And, you know, sometimes I've, I've said to myself, man, if I, if I played the same sport, I think I'd be able to connect with that person on a much higher level. So I think that, you know, as you kind of get into this world of, of producing content and things. I think there's going to be a lot of people that, that resonate with what you're saying simply because you've been in the trenches and they, they look up to that and, and you've got such a unique story to tell.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's just so many cool parallels. I mean, you touched on it uh, a little earlier with, you know, the fact that somebody sitting at a desk for 50 hours is, is still going to have some of that central nervous system fatigue that a, a, an elite athlete's going to have. And, you know, we can measure that now with, uh, you know, some metrics like heart rate variability, which is, you know, always fun explaining that to people and what it can do. And I've been messing around with that big time for, you know, probably the last I've been using it for the last four years, but really the last year I've really been dialing into that, seeing what what behaviors affect that heart rate variability the most. And that's, uh, that's I think, a really kind of a fun one to, uh, to be able to help people quantify because, you know, so many times you hear somebody, man, I just don't have good energy. I feel run down. I'm super stressed. Like, that just seems like such a common theme. And it's like, hey, let's measure that and let's address that. Let's fix it. Like, it doesn't have to be like that.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I got super into HRV and a bunch of years ago. And it it is that sort of uh, just it's 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 sort of qualifying, quantifying yoga, right? Like we've always known that yoga is great for us. And, you know, at the core of yoga is breath. And, uh, and now we've got proof, right? (laughs) So It's like, you can sometimes even if you do something like box breathing, and I've got a, a TED talk, I did four or five years ago now on HRV, actually, that I can link to in the show notes. But there's this, there's this amazing control. And it's for folks that are maybe a little more like type A. And they always want to know the why behind what they're doing. And it's like we can finally say yoga or breath or whatever is good for you. And here's the proof. And I don't know if you've dabbled with, um, heart math or anything like that, but that's, it's sort of like the next level of HRV where you can literally do it in real time and, and listen to the, the tune and the beat of this, of this device, the, the heart math device, where, when you're actually in coherence and that you're finding that nice groove and you kind of learn and train yourself how to breathe. And, uh, it's a, it is an
0: amazing, amazing tool. Yeah. The heart math. Funny you bring that up because I I use that a little bit in, uh, in my NFL career. Uh, you know, I got really big into the heart math stuff and would use that like before practices and games. That's the one that you clip onto your earlobe. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was cool. The, the, uh, little side note. The, you know, the only reason where, you know, I started using it a little bit less was the fact that, you know, I'd be so amped up before these games and it was so hard to get into that coherent state. I think (laughs) I think at some point that sympathetic nervous system just totally overrides whatever kind of parasympathetic activity or, you know, you're trying to get into (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, it it is funny, right? And I think I, I've pushed it to a whole bunch of people and then I tell them to back it off because it's funny when you, you learn or you find that groove and the thing starts lighting up and starts beeping. And then, you know, if you lose it, it's like, wait, no, 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 Where was it? And you can actually create this whole, (laughs) so it's almost like hook yourself to this to prove a point and then kind of like put it away for a while and just like do some box breathing.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good strategy right there. (laughs) So how are you typically measuring your HRV, Jared? So I use a whoop strap. I've been big on the whoop. Um, and you know, it's the thing I like about it is, you know, it's consistent with where it measures Mm -hmm. the HRV. Um, you know, there was a, a little time there, uh, when I was in Arizona that we were just using heart rate straps and we'd come in, uh, you know, sit in our locker right when we got there and, and take a, you know, a one minute reading with like a, a, a polar heart rate, uh, strap and a, I think it was the elite HRV app. And that was fine, mm-hmm. but that was just, you know, that's, that just gets kind of, you know, old after a while, especially when you have so much other stuff going on. Um, and I like, you know, how the whoop just, you know, automatically does it and then how they incorporate it in their recovery algorithm and it, they make it really easy to look at, you know, they take your data, give you a monthly report on it, let you know know. know if your hrv is trending upward or downward and you know how to address the hrv itself you know through you know some of the things we've talked about with you know recovery methods and you know increasing vagal tone and all that good stuff
1: yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the you know the Oura ring, the Bio strap, the Whoop, they're they're doing tremendous things for helping people not only receive this information, but but actually have it in a format that's that's practical and and that they can put to use. Because I think you know I really love our mutual friend Ben Greenfield's app, uh, Nature Beat, which is um, it allows you to do that polar heart rate strap. Uh, but you can and you can dive a little bit deeper into your power frequencies. And and if you know what you're looking for, it's extremely useful. Um, but I agree. I think that for the average person just waking up in the morning and seeing how they're doing is is kind of a, is kind of a, a great component to those to those straps and things. What other kind of wearables and things are you into or what kind of other biohacking tech are you kind of using on a regular basis at home? Yeah.
0: So, man, I've been hitting a ton of red light therapy. That's kind of been my jam lately and uh you know training hard with weights uh for you know multiple decades has has kind of led to the point to where it's really easy to to tweak my lower back especially uh you know loading loading it up on leg days um but i found that you know when i use my red light therapy for like 20 minutes before uh training my lower body like i have not had the low back issues at all like it's been amazing and then like we're talking like going through quarantine, can't go to the chiropractor, can't, you know, get massage. Like I'm just using the red light therapy and it's like completely solved those back issues. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah, that's in- incredible. And the the Juve light is the one we have. I don't know what one you use, but it is this thing where there's these there's these devices now like the Juve and red lights that they They do so many things for us it 's like oh you 're stressed out, like jump in front of the juve, oh you want to boost your testosterone, jump in front of the juve, oh you got pain in your ankle or your lower back, jump in front of the juve and it 's just this incredible thing and I think uh, there's this there 's a book um Dr. Cowan's book about, uh, the heart. And it's amazing now, as I kind of dive deeper into red light stuff, just how, how much it has to do with our, our hydration and our body water as well. And how specific minerals and nutrients that you might have in your system, including like chlorella,
0: uh, can actually increase the effectiveness of those of those red lights. Yeah, it's been amazing. And, you know, I, I ran across Ben's article that he did for uh, for men's health where he said he was using the red light therapy uh, on uh, on the uh, family jewels down there and how it was, you know, helping with where
1: the sun doesn't with, shine.
0: Yeah, with with testosterone production. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been using that as well. And man, oh, man, like I've I've had some awesome awesome strength gains and just kind of like a physique transformation as well without really losing a a ton of weight. And it's been awesome. I've, I mean, like I said, man, the red light has been my jam. The, uh, the one that I've been using a lot is this, uh, it's a new company called Rouge. Um, and I really like their device. Uh, it, it cranks out some good power. It, uh, doesn't have any of that nasty, uh, you know, Uh, non-native EMF that, uh, you know, we like to discuss in the world of wellness. So, you know, you don't have to worry about radiating your, your balls when you're, when you're trying to, you know, increase your (laughs) testosterone, because I'm pretty sure that would be very counterproductive and you would not be creating much of that great hormone if you were to do that. Um,
1: right yeah so right I think I think the other interesting thing about the red light at least for me you know and I mentioned to you before we started the show you know we just had a baby three weeks ago and you know the red light to me it's this like it's not only a a biohack but it's a um, in many ways it's sort of a call it a permission slip or sort of like an on off button so in other words if I hop in the bathroom put it on and I'm going to do my meditation for the day or breath work or whatever it is it's it's also this symbol. So if it's pitch black in the room and I've just got the red light on, that energy, right? Even if I'm, you know, not even close to the red light, I actually use it that way as well, where it's, it's sort of just setting a tone that I can then meditate from or do something like that from, because it, it creates this really relaxed environment where if the white lights are on or, you know, I hear the baby cry or what I might get disrupted, but it's like, if I got 10 minutes and Amelia's watching the baby, it's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, what do you
0: think about that? I love it. I, I, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. In fact, like one of the, like kind of the, uh, times that I use it during the day will be, you know, right before going and laying down in bed. So kind of like my nighttime pseudo nighttime routine is, uh, put the kids to bed around, you know, seven, seven thirty ish, uh, hop in the sauna for, for 20 minutes. Um, then either cool down in, in the ice bath or it, we got a pool outside. So jump in the pool when it's nice out like it is now and then come inside and, and do red light therapy for, for 20 minutes. And man, like puts you right to sleep. Like the, it puts you it puts you in in a great zone, actually, like, you know, when you're kind of, you know, putting your day in perspective and kind of, you know, putting that conclusion on, on whatever you've done uh, during the day. And, and you're able to kind of compartmentalize that, put the mind at rest, body feels great and just slip off into a great night's sleep. Absolutely. It really puts a cap on the day. And, and I don't think that's like by
1: coincidence, right? Because I think this infrared light is, you know, it's the sunlight. I've got a podcast with Andy Mont, who created a company called blue blocks and he makes sunglasses and light bulbs and, Things like this to help us kind of mitigate some of the damages of blue light, especially at night. And this infrared light that, you know, in the morning and at night, I, I totally am with you. And I definitely feel an improvement in my sleep because we're actually getting those sunrise sunset wavelengths at the time that, that our body's supposed to get them. And as long as we're not exposing ourselves to tons of white LED at the same time, uh, it can have profound effects. And one quick interesting biohack that he shared a bunch of episodes ago is just this idea of how the body kind of works. And if you were to say, uh, go to the beach and get a sunburn, right? Cause you're out in like the midday sun, uh, you would actually burn less if you had done juve, or red light a.m. and p.m. that same day so in other words our bodies are designed to kind of take this full spectrum of light throughout the day and the ultraviolet's very damaging and the the infrared is very healing and when we don't get the healing and we only get the the ultraviolet we're actually more susceptible to to damaging effects
0: of the sun which that was like a brain explode moment for me yeah, that makes sense, because I think isn't like part of that red light spectrum supposed to increase collagen production as well? Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want your skin to look good, recover from that sunshine. Just hit a little red light. There we go. So, all right, let's move on to nutrition. I'm curious kind of how,
1: and I, I, again, I kind of like snuck around your Instagram. I see you cooking like some salmon and, uh, you know, kind of focusing on some, some healthy foods. What is, how has your diet changed
0: since retiring from the NFL? So my diet has not changed a ton unless you're, uh, going to count intermittent fasting and, and incorporating fasting as, as kind of a diet strategy, um, you know, I've just kind of made that a staple in my everyday life now. And I've continued to eat the things that I love to eat. Um, You know, those things being, you know, healthy and, uh, you know, nourishing, uh, items of food. You know, I'm not just crushing bags of Doritos and, you know, getting McDonald's every night. You know, I try to eat, uh, you know, local, uh, pasture, uh, raised animals and organic, uh, produce. I got a pretty awesome garden going in my backyard this year and, uh, work with a kick-ass butcher here in, in town in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who works with a lot of local farms on getting really tasty grass-fed, um uh, uh grass fed beef, pasture raised chickens, all that good stuff. He's the man. And so I, uh, you know, I'm able to, you know, eat all the good stuff that I was really trying to incorporate in football, um, just about half the quantity of it, because, you know, I can't crush like 5000 calories worth of food if I'm, you know, want to be a reasonable weight and, and feel good. Yeah, no, it, that makes total sense. And I think I've, I've got
1: a coaching client out in Grand Rapids, Michigan that, uh, owns some, some restaurants and things like that. He has a place, I think it's called single barrel social, but I'll, I'll connect you with him. Cause you guys would probably get along. He's a biohacker. He's super into this stuff. Um,
0: sure you guys would get along. Nice. Yeah. That'd be and great. he might want the name of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Luis, Luis Earl Butcher. He's, he's, he's my top dog in Grand Rapids. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Great, Jared. Well, Hey, what else, what else can you share with us?
1: What else did we, did we skip over anything? What else would you love to share with our audience just about sort of where you're headed now that you've pseudo retired? I know you're leaving the door open to potentially go back, but what do you, where are you headed in the next 12 to 15
0: months? Yeah. So great question. Um, I think that depends a little bit, um, you know, on, on what the state of, uh, state of life looks like, uh, in, in that time right. period, hopefully, uh, you know, society is, you know, finding uh, a new normal in something that doesn't uh, involve a pandemic. Uh, that would be great. Um, you know, I enjoy traveling with my family and, uh, kind of, you know, broadening my perspective on things that way. Um, we went to, we went to Portugal for a couple weeks right before I, I came back and, and played uh, for the Packers last year. And that was fun. It was all kind of a Part of the plan, I guess, was to go over there, eat a ton of uh, good food and drink some good wine and see if my weight would go up a little bit, Um, which coincidentally it did not because I was pushing a stroller up extremely steep cobblestone streets the whole time and actually had like an, an amazing <laughs> energy output, like total for the trip. Um, but, you know, still wanted to go forward <laughs> with that plan of, of, you know, seeing if someone needed my help. So we like to travel, we like to get out. It's, we have, uh, two young kids, a, a five-year-old and a three-year-old and, um, you know, they, they enjoy it too. And I think it's, uh, you know, great for them to be able to see, um, some other, uh, nooks and crannies of, of the world and, and yeah, uh, you know, Luxembourg where you know you're recording from right now would always be a you know, a cool part of the world to visit. It's always been a unique uh place on the map being such a small country.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it really is and I for um a bunch of years ago, one of the one of the first times I I came to Luxembourg, I um I was in um uh gosh, my my brain. Uh, not Lichtenstein, but another one of these little principalities and my family was like I think you're the only person to ever go from from you know Liechtenstein to Luxembourg in the same trip so uh, not a lot of people have been here but it's a beautiful place and it's it's I kind of say it's a very there's so many different cultures and people here it's very transient you know you're 15 minutes from from bel or uh, from germany and an hour from belgium and then 2 hours from Paris. And, you know, so there's this melting pot and, and Amazon's based here. And so there's so many expats and and Americans. And so it's this place where it's, you're clearly in Europe, but it's actually very easy to be, you know, an English speaking American here. It's, um, uh, it's, it's a really yeah, it's kind of comfortable place to be. Home. It didn't take a long time to get adjusted to, in other words. Little bit, little bit, and and there's only 3G here, so I'm stoked on that too. Unless they install some towers sometime in the next week, but <laughs> well, my, I turned my phone on. I'm like 3G. This is terrific. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice. Well, cool, Jared. Yeah. Uh, So where can people find you? And and you've got a a podcast starting. Is that right? Yeah,
0: I do. Um, You know, they can search my name, find the show Uh, right now. It's uh, unofficially dubbed the uh, strategies, wealth, health and self show, uh, trying to gear it towards, uh, you know, hard chargers in the workplace who are looking for some uh, some health hacks, some kind of some philosophies and, you know, just a a leader to look towards uh, as far as helping them get to where they want to go with their career goals but at the same time taking care of their health so they can enjoy those goals when they finally get there
1: yeah it makes it makes awesome sense man well hey i wish you the absolute best and if people want to find you on instagram it's jared v68 right
0: yep jared v68 uh twitter is Veldier 68 um and uh just trying to get a, a youtube channel going as well i think that's just my name jared Veldier awesome man well hey we'll link to all of that in the show
1: notes jared thank you so much for taking the time today and sharing some sort of insights and behind the scenes around the the nfl you know i've i grew up watching football my dad was was very into it never missed a a patriots game and um so
0: it's it's exciting for me to
1: chat with with somebody that kind of lived in that world yeah it was a pleasure
0: talking to you man I, i enjoyed it and uh you know it's always it's always fun to share the the nfl story and you know give a peek behind that that curtain yeah all right jared
1: well hey thank you so much man and guys thanks for listening as always you can find all the things we talked about in the show notes for today's episode at slash stacked and we'll see you soon thanks guys hey guys i hope you enjoyed today's show for the show notes for today's episode head on over to coach and click podcast from the menu if you'd like to leave a review which i would absolutely appreciate on itunes or stitcher wherever you found this show please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjoedi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links... To contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them. So thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.